when a willow tree is planted and grows. Its translation point for many human beings is the movement of the willow. The weeping quality of the branches falling over water, over earth, in the breeze, the long pointed leaves, the flow of the golden toned branches as they come forward in the springtime. So the willow is noted for its ability to bend and be woven into baskets. I have a beautiful small basket woven of willow that I purchased at a marketplace in France many years ago. And I've noted in classes several times how Blaine and I were traveling and he asked, you're not going to to me carry that with you, are you? And I said, I, I am actually. And what you must know is Blaine helped carry that. So he wasn't being difficult with me. He was noting that I was obtaining something which had to be cared for if it wasn't going to be broken on the airplane from one continent to another. One airplane ride and then another and then another and then an automobile ride until it reached a place of rest. Willow baskets, once they're woven, are quite brittle actually. <clears throat> they can exist for several centuries. My father's mother had a number of baskets which we loved and my favorite was an ancient Victorian basket probably woven in about 1820 to 1870 that Anna loved and my mother loved and I have loved. Some human being cut those willow branches, dried them, wove them, and three generations of women in the Har Wunderlich Hin family cherished the loving care taken of the reeds, the branches of the trees, the roots, the quality of design, the tucking in of every endpoint so that if we reached to take something out of the basket or place something in it, even when I was a tiny girl at Anna's knee, I could be present beside her with that beautiful basket and never injure myself. Who are the people who raised those willow trees? And where? Where were the trees? Where are the trees? Where were those souls of the people? Where are they now? What occurs when we know a baby is coming, men become protective, shepherding, aware of what might be done or must be done or could be done or should be done to allow safe delivery of the babe and the woman into that child coming. A child to a woman and a man and elders and peers and other young people. Possibly in this era when we're speaking, the child might live a century in good health, protected, blessed, 
nurtured, cared for, shepherded, safe and prosperous and well in all ways, everywhere. The wonder of this is mystical and real. And one pays attention to that reality being realized, being embodied in that coming infant and in oneself, in you, in Blaine, in me. Then the heart of hearts of each of us is seeking to be the seashell. May my life be like a beautiful seashell that expresses form on the earth, physical existence, a reality of experience that my soul might be the creature at the center of the seashell, be the ink in the pen, be the paint upon the fine brush, so that what is caused and created and represented and embodied honors that which is holy in heaven, is of the existence of reality in every breath and moment one is blessed and ordained to live. Then we pulsate out with life in virtue, in prayer and living practice, to represent to the best of our abilities the pathway this way. If we're being such as the imam who was killed in Newark this past week, whose name I do not know. We found that we would have walked a path in a city into which I had driven years ago to fetch the Secretary of Education for my nation safely on behalf of my father and mother. A day this past week these many years later, a man of Muslim faith was killed in the same region. He was not safe. The person who killed him was not safe either. They're tied in some knot of suffering and not holiness. <clears throat> and all of us are part of that. So I go from this into several directions. The first one is <clears throat> the universal one. And I've utilized my beloved mentor Thich Nhat Hanh as an emblematic representative of this in, in our uh, talking, these, this winter retreat. Because Thai is represented in our globe as this extraordinary peacemaker, remarkable, almost unparalleled in my experience, in his prayer and practice toward engaging everyone. He would sit in a class and he would said to me once years ago that he had found something he couldn't have done years before. Men who had been on both sides of the Vietnam War had come to one of his classes. And he said one was sitting in front of him toward his left and one was almost directly in front of him and he was so grateful he had practiced holding his face in his hands 
so that he could transform his anger. He would write poetry for years during the Vietnam War, 20 or 30 years he wrote a lot of poetry, in order to try to tame the wildness of his reactions. And he famously said how he held his, his face in his two hands. And so he said to several people, including myself, thank God I did that because when these two men came into the, the class without his knowing they were coming and one asked a question, he realized that he had to live on, on behalf of both of them and that they were former enemies and that he had to not be an enemy to either of them. And therefore he had to engage within himself what he kept wishing everyone else might become. And then he delved deeply into that practice. And so I spoke in the last segment about what it was like to have Thai test me. A real Buddha wouldn't cry because they wouldn't feel anything. And my response, a Buddha would cry because they would feel everything. Father Thich Nhat Hanh, into whose arms I'm waiting, that you might trust the daughter I am bringing to you. You might trust the son I am bringing to you so that the place between us is one, not two. One, you and I. For a Buddha to be a child, for a Buddha to be a little one, not you, Tai, not me, a Buddha, but like the women of King Solomon, here, you take the baby. Tai, take the baby. Beth, you might not be a Buddha. You were crying yesterday. I go, I know. I know because I need you to understand enough that heaven moves through you and me as one in something mysterious of the holiness of heaven on earth. This principle I'm speaking of goes back to, in Buddhism, Thai's faith of origin, the idea that all things were created interdependently. All of reality originated together. All of it is one, yet many, yet one. And simply has to realize that. So this quality of the imam in Newark who was killed and the person who killed him, what shall we do? Well, out of the oneness, we pray for the one killed. We pray for the murderer. And we go forward from the past, eternity through the past to the present moment, so that our next breath is the seashell moving into decisions about your life and mine safe in the seas of everything around us. Turbulent, calm waves pounding the shore, huge oceanic waves, like those in the storms recently off the coast of California and Oregon and Mexico, Washington, British Columbia, 
And then what occurs is what I study as a contemplative. Oh, I am to shepherd this place where something is being born in your heart or mine that is of God, that is so humble and of such love. Home is tangible. If I'm able to shepherd this with care, I will be able to represent this in an ordinary, peasant-like way, dignified yet modest, for the sake of this in everyone and everything, including you and me. And wherever Ty is, part of it goes to him. Wherever the imam is, part of it goes to that one as well. And the aspiration for realization of heaven, of God, of the universe, goes also to the one who murdered the Iman. I let the homework be decided by God, by heaven. I'm discerning. I'm not walking in the path of the weapons of the murderer. However, I allow him or her or them their classroom. As for me, my heart is in the Lord. My soul is in eternity. Turning to Thich Nhat Hanh, I am aware in these years since his death, Thai, these children of whom we spoke, they've come, they're coming. These remarkable philosophical beings, the Sangha, the community of practitioners around the world, I, Garland of the Heart, have tended well what was needed to the best of my ordinary ability that this mother might have a safe child born here spiritually and physically among the human beings on the earth at this time. I would have expected this of me even if he didn't trust it in the human race. The quality of trust for him, he found, was very, very difficult. People had killed one of his teachers. They had threatened his family. He'd had fellow colleagues of his die or be very badly accused or harmed. He was exiled for almost half a century. So he had almost a perfect practice of peacemaking and yet, into whose heart did he entrust himself? Well, into mine now. I practice this every day. He would sit with a wooden bowl he'd been given years ago, and he would eat for the entire human race at every single meal. We turn in another direction to Cardinal Lustiger, who's one of the people I have most loved in my life. We all have people where, for some reason, they are like a holy dove, a perfect flower blooming. We meet them and our lives are transformed forever. A veil moves out of the way and we look out and see sunlight everywhere. For me, Cardinal Lustiger was a figure of 
of this nature. He was born as a Jewish boy in France, in Paris. His family was of Polish descent. His family ran a hosiery shop, socks and stockings. And in his childhood, World War II came. His family moved to Orléans. It's interesting that this is the town they went. Joan of Arc saved the people of Orléans, and then they turned on her and killed her, the very people she saved. So this is the town where city where Lestiger's family moved. But the family was of modest means in business, and someone had to continue the daily bread. So his mother, as the Jewish woman she was, said, I will care for the family and stay in Paris. You go safely, all of you. She was captured and taken to Auschwitz, where she was murdered, just like the imam in Newark. And so Lustiger, early in the war, found drawn somehow to friends who were Protestant. He stayed at a with the family during kind of a summer camp. He was moved by the attitude, this sort of numinous attitude that was present in the family, particularly in the children of the family. So he obtained a Protestant Bible and he didn't know why he was drawn to it, it just affected him. And then when he turned kind of to boy man, he asked to be converted, blessed, baptized as a Roman Catholic. And his name changed from Aaron, <clears throat> A-R-O-N, Aaron was his first name of birth, and Briss when he was circumcised and given his blessing on his eighth day of life. He went from Aaron to Aaron Jean-Marie, named Aaron and then Aaron for St. John, the only apostle who stood by Jesus at the cross, who was also an eminent teacher, who was also the first cousin of Jesus, and then the name Marie for Mary, the mother of Jesus, Aaron Jean-Marie Lustiger. He went on to become a very interesting figure in the world of world religions that I've studied all of my life, and he became the Cardinal of Paris and of Notre Dame. My experiences with him are beyond any words. He died in 2007. The last time I saw him was several years just before that. <clears throat> there at the gates of his beloved place of prayer and practice and conversion. Along the banks of the Seine did he live, undisturbed in his heart of hearts. So in my heart, these men, my father, <clears throat> my friend Liz Moynihan's father, Ed, <clears throat> my friend Joan Cleehammer's father, Gordon, Cardinal Lucifer, Thich Nhat Hanh, <clears throat> they have formed, <clears throat> excuse me, they have formed a place for me with a roof of stars, walls of willow branches, Everywhere I look, everywhere I listen, 
the perfume I put on today that was a beautiful gift for me of these fragrant roses. The taste of Asian food today as we celebrated on this Epiphany Day, food from Asia given by trans-Philippine-American physician, colleague, researcher, with such love from his family every year. The place in my heart knows how to bring forward to the man the fidelity that any child who comes to these men I have loved is safely held in trust. Then when I turn in the direction of the earth, the portion of the earth that is is to sustain any of those children can be shepherded by these men beyond weapons. So I turn in the direction of my first journeys overseas when I traveled in study and work to Southeast Asia and coming into <clears throat> various areas of 14 countries whose languages of literature I do not know. At virtually every turn, I was met by a human being who caretook me. And I remember the experience of turning to see women, girls, babies, over and over and over and over again with a slender jade bracelet on the left wrist. Tiny baby with a jade bracelet. Old woman with a jade bracelet. Young bride with a jade bracelet. If we look at the stones of our earth, we have fought so many battles. Who gets the land? Who gets the oil, the resources, the diamonds? There are many kinds of jade and jadeite. Many girls are given a bracelet at birth so that from heaven to earth the incarnation of that newborn one is held by the stone of heaven. The valuation of the jade is up to someone who understands the qualities of color and density of the stone much more than I do. And yet the quality of love permeating our earth in that particular kind of stone and chemistry and represented all across the Asiatic world upon the bodies of the mothers and grandmothers and elders and sisters and wives and daughters represents a promise, a hope, And I would observe a bracelet and I would be aware of the quality that is held in Taoism, the inner planes, the clouds of unknowing, the clouds of the Taoist masters, of the immortals, of the ancestors, of the primordial ancestor Confucius, 
of the women and men and of the quality of what is wished for when a girl comes or a boy. I had a young woman years ago where when she came to see me <clears throat> for counseling, she was aware that her bracelet on her wrist was so tight <clears throat> it couldn't be medically taken off. It wasn't hurting her, but she was at an age where she was aware I have to take it off now. And the only way to take it off is going to be to break it. And her stories were of her parents, her grandparents, and what the bracelet meant. It had been placed on her body when she was very tiny. We discussed the letting go of the bracelet, but not the bracelet. The bracelet would always be with her. So when I traveled in Asia, what I found is in a girl and a promise given to her through her mother, grandmother, something existed that was one beyond the identity of the grandmother, beyond the ego of the mother, beyond the personality of the little girl. A quality where mystery was represented and respected, remembered, practiced, aspired to. I sit with two small rosaries or strands of 27 to 33 beads in front of me. One is from Beijing. One is from the Middle East. They're both jade. They're not terribly valuable. They might be worth uh, $35 United States, which for some of you in the world is a lot of money, and for some of you it's very little. For me, they were an appropriate amount to seek and point. This one, please. How much is this one? Yes, I would like to bring this one back with me to the United States and keep at my desk and or hanging over a lampshade so that I see it. And the stone of heaven is then before me every day. And my relationship to the women of Asia and theirs to me as they've caretaken me safely these 70 years thus far everywhere. And I, them, everywhere, always. Stone of eternity, stone of heaven, here on earth, jade. When I turn to Thich Nhat Hanh and his soul, when I turn to the Imam who was killed and his soul, or the man who killed him and his soul, or former Secretary Bennett and his soul, and my father and his soul, and the fathers of my friends. I am aware that the women, John's mother and Liz's mother and my mother, the women in Secretary Bennett's family, Ty's mother, 
the women in the imam's family. There is a place in us beyond that woman or me where we come from something one that becomes the human race. The relationships across the continents and nations, the various ethnicities, are still all of one human race. The quality of the seashell I allow to be the form of my life, how I dress, where I walk, how I hold my cane, put my hair up in a French twist or wear it down, nod to an elder, thank a younger person for holding the door for me. That signature is not only my responsibility, it is my responsibility to the other women that I insist that they remember that we are one from heaven. So that feminism does not become a weapon, but becomes a letter of the alphabet women have turned to and men and people so that a girl could individuate and respect herself and a boy. One could turn to a grandfather and say, Grandfather, I have as much value as you, just in a different expression, receptively, as your granddaughter. Let us play and pray and practice, Grandpa, with the horse, with my schooling, with your wisdom, with what you need from me and my feminine receptive understanding, too. Then the quality of trust Thich Nhat Hanh was so seeking that he knew so implicitly with his mother is held in his mother and in me and in trust and love. The seashell of Thai's life is perfect. He who became the abbot of Hue in his last years and we go from eternity to eternity redeeming back Lustiger's mother from Auschwitz Nazis who killed her, the Germans who wished they hadn't, and who have lived so that redemption was possible, the people all over the world seeking now, how do we stand with this imam and his mother, this rabbi and her brother, this priest and his sister? This person who's agnostic and their neighbor, how do we stand that the heart of hearts realizes awesomely a we of heaven here on earth? We have remembered the way. We have sought the path. We are translating heart to heart the reality everywhere and always.